Mark 10, 46-50. And they came to Jericho. Okay, so we can already start there, right? If you know anything about the Bible or the Old Testament, you can remember that Joshua and the Israelites had to march around Jericho, and after seven times, they shouted the walls down. And so we could preach on that, how you need to shout down your enemy, how you need to be persistent. And that's good, but that's not what we're going And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And we could stop here too, right? <laughs> How the world tries to silence us, but we need to scream out all the more to Jesus. It doesn't matter what the world is trying to do to try to keep us down, that you need to speak out and be brave and bold and cry out for God because he's the only one that can save you and your problems and everything. And we get to go there and that's good, but that's not what we're doing. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? You don't have to be the son of God for that to be obvious that a blind man is coming to you. <laughs> have you ever been so depressed you start to lose hope? Suicide sounds ridiculous until you have been through a continued season that seems interminable, where it seems like you're drowning, then it starts to make a little more sense when you have no hope. What do you want from Jesus? Jesus knows there is something powerful about admitting you have a problem, about admitting you need help. So admit it. So whatever you're going through tonight, whatever you're struggling with, we're just going to take three or four seconds for you to close your eyes and just admit it. He's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? So admit it and be ready to listen. This sermon, for the most part, is going to be about depression and anxiety and how we can be healed from that. But it's not going to be filled with a bunch of cliche verses that you've heard before, probably. And not that those verses are bad, but that's just not the direction we're going to go. Oh, by the way, if you don't struggle with this, you might someday. And I'm willing to bet that you know someone who is struggling with this. So please pay attention. It is our responsibility as the church to take care of those in need, to take care of one another. And that's not this building. It's not your church. It's not bare bones. It's us, each individual. So let's start with how ill-equipped I feel to be up here talking about depression and anxiety. Because if you haven't noticed, 
I'm not wearing my name tag that says that I'm a doctor, I'm not a counselor, I'm not a neuroscientist. So how do I have any right to talk about this? Well, for one, I've been through it a lot. And I've learned from God because he gives wisdom to those who ask for it. And I've learned from people who are neuroscientists. I've read articles, I've listened to sermons, I've read book after book, and I've gleaned from them. And it's really hard not to give all the advice in one thing, right? But I've walked through this. And so, my depression started in seventh grade. Uh, I was um, in public school before that, and my parents sent me to a Catholic school because they thought it was gonna save me from the world. Uh, little did they know as they like thrust me into it all the more. This is where I found out about pornography. This is where I was exposed to bullying like never before. This is where like I found out about alcohol and drugs, and now I did not partake in those, um, but I was exposed to this, and I started to loathe my parents. I hated them, and I didn't tell them that, but it was very clear by the way that I acted, because how am I supposed to be in this like religious establishment where they're supposed to be preaching love, and all the kids are making fun of me because I liked Bon Jovi? <laughs> like, oh, wow, your words that are not, um, you can't say anymore, um, in 2018. Um, but, but fast forward into high school, when I started dating girls, I dated a girl who cut herself to get through life. And I was like, why are you doing that? She's like, it helps me release. And I'm like, I don't understand that, but I'm not afraid of blood or sharp things, so let's go. And um, after doing that for a year, which I didn't feel like it made me feel any better, um, or really worse, um, I, I stopped. And I was just like, okay, whatever, I like to see the blood flow. So obviously I'm in a really messed up place here, right? Fast forward again, I moved down here for my senior year of high school, and I was a skateboarder, which wasn't cool from South Bend where I'm from. And when I came down here, it was a lot cooler. I got a lot of attention from females that I wasn't getting a lot of attention from before. <laughs> and I started using them left and right, just so disgusting. Like just going through them, had two or three girls every weekend. And I'm like, this doesn't bother me. Like I'm just trying to find a girlfriend, right? But as time wore on, like I started to decay from the inside out as it ate away at me, as I'm just using people, I felt like there was blood on my hands. As I was, when most of these girls, they knew what they were doing, right? But like, there was still something in me, even before I believed in God, even before I was a Christian, that I knew like, this isn't right. Like I'm using people for my selfish gain. And this, this all like hit up to a point of when I lost my virginity and I became completely broken because being raised in the Catholic Church, they told me that if you lose your virginity before you get married, you're going to hell. And that broke me. And I tried to help serve other people, tried to clean things, I tried to do good things, just tried to get this sin off of me until the point where I was, where I came into encounter 
a pro professional Christian skateboarder who helped me to start a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not saying that you can't do that in, in Catholicism or anything like that, so please don't hear me on that. But that was my upbringing. That was what, that where I faced dead religion. There's definitely dead religion everywhere. Um, but why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you my, my dark secrets? I don't know. I just thought you guys came here to hear my dirty laundry. <laughs> what does this have to do with the Bible? I don't know. <laughs> the reason I tell you this is because if you struggle with this, I want you to know that you are not alone. And I've brought a few statistics, which I actually didn't choose all the most aggressive ones, uh, in part because through my research, like, I didn't see that they were all necessarily backed by the great sources. But the thing with statistics, too, is that sometimes they're um, underwhelming. They're not completely accurate to what's actually going on, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more of that in the future. But... The number of Americans who say they've taken an antidepressant over the past month rose by 65% between 1999 and 2014. One in six Americans take a psychiatric drug. Women are twice as likely to take psychiatric drugs. Suicide has gone up more than 40% in some parts of the country and on average 30% in the rest. In 2017, 47,173 Americans died by suicide. Also in 2017, there was an estimated 1.3 million suicide attempts. That's just estimating, guys. And the, the thing is with that is that, that suicide attempts aren't always recorded, right? Because Going through my life, I had a handful of times where I tried to jump in front of a train when I was about to drive off the road. I was just over with life. But, you know, I didn't end up in a hospital. I didn't, there was no police report. So nobody knew about that, right? So this number could easily be doubled or even tripled. How many celebrities have we lost to this? Did you also know that there are multiple characters in the Bible? that struggled with depression and anxiety. Elijah killed 500 <laughs> false prophets of Baal. And the next day, this one woman, Jezebel, says, hey, like I'm going to kill you. And he goes into, he hides, he runs over, countries away, and he goes in this cave and he's like, Lord, just take my life away. It would just be better if I die right now. Like, after he just destroyed these false prophets and did this amazing act of God. Or, how about Jeremiah? It was said that he was the weeping prophet. And that he did not convert a single person. Or there's Jonah, who converted a whole city. And, and he was depressed about that. He was like, ah, oh, just kill me, God. David, come on, David. And not the amazing, beautiful one. David Wallace, David of the Bible here, was a man after God's own heart, but you read through the Psalms, and you just see, this guy's like schizophrenic, right? And you're like, one minute he's happy, the next minute he's sad, and vice versa, he's just all over the place. But I like that because it, I can relate to that, because I'm not, you know, always 
like happy, 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 happy. You know, I'm complicated. And then there's Job. Or if you're a new Christian, Job. <laughs> Who was declared a, a righteous man before God. And I don't have time to get into all of that. But he was afflicted. He lost everything. His body was filled with sores. And he complains through the book. And he, he even like, it seems like he's almost railing against God. But even at the end, it said, Job did not sin in this. So again, to those who struggle with depression and anxiety, you are not alone. You are not crazy. And you are going to make it. Oh, yeah, but I forgot about one person in the Bible. Jesus knows what it's like to face depression slash anxiety. You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, in his weakest moment, he faced going to the cross, and he got to the point, <laughs> he got to the point where he's sweating blood. Blood is coming out of his pores, and it's actually something that can really happen. It's actually a medical diagnosis that can happen to you when you're to the point of so much anxiety where, where your pores are leaking blood. Yet he said, not my will, but your will be done. He set his face like flint towards the cross and towards resurrection. So he knows what it's like, and that should make you feel a little more comfortable being able to come to him with your problems. Because he not only has he faced a lot of other things that you might be dealing with, but knowing that he's faced this, he knows what you're going through. He knows what it's like. He's come to save you and heal you, to give you more joy, to give you hope. He came to heal you. But... This word healing, kind of a tricky word, right? Because when I say healing, you think of Jesus lightning coming and striking you, and woo, you never struggle with sadness or depression ever again. Now, we are going to pray for you at the end if you need that, and that may happen. I don't ever want to limit God because he can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. But... More than likely, what's going to happen for you tonight is a shift, a turning point, a start to healing. But my question is, do we need to be healed from depression and anxiety? Or do we need to be healed from something else? I'd like to look at Psalm 42.5. <clears throat> Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? What is causing your soul to leak out as depression and anxiety? Because your soul, in and of itself, isn't like that. Your soul doesn't become depressed. It can leak out as depression because of things that are happening to it. So there's two ways of thinking about anxiety and depression. And I'm going to make some people mad. Sorry. The first is that it's a disease, a chemical imbalance. 
if you go on Google tonight, which I encourage you to do, you will find study after study after study that shows that's not the case. It's simply not true. Articles that are published by scientists and doctors. Or there is anxiety and depression as a symptom that something is wrong, something that's causing your soul to leak out. It could be your marriage, the way you eat, the way you exercise or don't exercise, the way you work, your selfishness, unresolved trauma, thought patterns, idols, the list is endless. So there's two ways. It's either disease or it's a symptom. And if anxiety is a disease, guess what? You're a victim. But if it's a symptom, that changes everything. So how do we respond? You may be the victim of past trauma, circumstances, but you also might be the perpetrator as well. I'm saying, like, don't blame God because he's down there suffering with you. And even though th th these things might happen to you, and this is easier said than done, but you control how you respond to them. And that's why it's so important to have, if you, to have good friends and if you're blessed to have a family that builds in this support system, that builds in these beliefs to you because they're setting you up to protect you so that you have something to fall back on when you face these trials and tragedies, that you don't develop these unhealthy patterns of getting drunk when you're a teenager because that's the way that you chose to cope with it. Turning to drugs, turning to sex, whatever. This, these destructive patterns that are causing your depression, causing your anxiety, that are so sometimes so hard to find. So that you really need to dig deep down into. And that's what I'm asking you to do is question yourself. Ask the Psalm 42 question. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? How do we respond? If you need to, go to a doctor. And I'm not a super big fan of, of medication, but if you need it, get it. But what I want to really encourage you to do is find a counselor and dig deep. Get in a small group. Find just somebody who cares about you, who is willing to walk through this with you. And I know that some of you that might struggle with this, you might see this as your identity. I'm depressed. I've got anxiety. And this is your way that you find love. And I know that this is, that you might think like, I'm an innocent victim. You want to blame God. You want to blame your ex. You want to blame your parents. You want to blame your friends. You want to blame the company. You want to blame anything but yourself. And I know what I know, and I know this is a hard truth. But that's the first step to healing. Admit there's a problem. Admit you might be the problem or part of it. And then go to the one who can heal you. And to further uh, illustrate this, you can take medicine if you want when you break your arm. But until you get under the skin, until you get under the epidermis, the dermis, the hypodermis, until you get to that bone and realign it, you're not going to heal properly. They say, oh yeah, time, time will heal anything. It's not true. 
or it might heal it, but you're going to look walk around with a zigzag lightning arm everywhere. <laughs> and it's the same way with these these um, circumstances that you come up against. And when you don't deal with this trauma, when you don't deal with the things that happen. So I'm, I'm just pleading with you to find healing, to search yourself. Dig deep and find the broken place or broken places like it was for me. And this is where God works best. And again, if you don't struggle with this, we're going to be putting this on a podcast, and I urge you to share this with them, because a lot of times we're told that, that the problem is the impression and the problem is anxiety, when I, don't, I think that that's the symptom of what the real problem is. We all have our own unique problems. Finally, Jesus offers full salvation. Like the crippled man that was lowered through the roof, Jesus knew that the, his biggest problem wasn't that he was crippled. Your biggest problem isn't the problem you're facing. They may come and go, but how you deal with the problems will just resurface when the next one rears its ugly head. There may be something inside of you that is pulling out, is going, that pulling it out is going to hurt like hell. To pull out, to get to remove the, the healed skin so that you can deal with the real problem. But I promise you, it's not worth the pain of your body decaying because of it just eating you alive. It's not the better route. We might find a lot of healing tonight, or maybe very little, but I hope we can walk away from tonight with hope, with a direction to head to attacking this thing that could have been plaguing us for years. And if this wasn't exactly what you were looking for, I'm sorry. Um, I do have a lot of practical things I'd like to share that have helped me get through this, but I think that we have to get down to the root of it first. And feel free to talk to me afterwards or hang me on and do another sermon. But <laughs> um, we're going to pray. If I could have the band come up, and if, if anybody wants to come up here and get prayer, or you want to pray for people, just come up during this time of worship. And also, we have prayer cards underneath your chairs with pens, so feel free to fill those out while we're doing worship. Um, so if I could have my the people that volunteered to pray to come up. Else wants to come up to pray for anybody and no pressure or actually what we're gonna do is we'll just go in the back so you don't because I know how scary it can be so just go in the back nobody's gonna look at you this time is between you and God and if you need prayer to so just go back there um, it looks like right now we have like four guys that will be willing to pray for you so do not be afraid let me pray Jesus, we thank you so much for being in this place, for showing us ways to deal with depression and anxiety. We know that you offer full salvation, not just mental and emotional freedom, but spiritual to envelop, to transcend, to drench. 
I ask right now that for my friends in here that are dealing with some kind of depression and anxiety, that they would have the courage to go back and get some prayer. And even if they, if they can't do that, I ask you to move powerfully in their lives. Help this time of worship to give us the time we need where we can just slow down and just take inventory. Help us to delve into ourselves and attend to the root of our anxiety and depression. This message isn't the most encouraging message, but I hope it gives us this direction on knowing what we need to work on, what we need to heal. And we do pray boldly for healing, that, that we would never have to struggle with these things again. But also we pray for the tools and the people and the peace and the direction and the wisdom on how to deal with these things that happen outside of us that we cannot control. Bring your healing, Holy Spirit. Change our lives. Flood us. Do a new thing in us tonight. It's in your son, Jesus' powerful name that we pray.